and welcome to the Family Planning Files, a podcast developed by the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. I'm your host, Katherine Atchison. In our podcast today, part of our ongoing series, Coding with Anne, we'll be discussing best practices for coding and reimbursement for implant contraception. Our speaker, Anne Finn, is a healthcare reimbursement consultant and a national trainer with many reproductive healthcare organizations and heads her own company, Anne Finn Consulting, LLC. Welcome back to the podcast, Anne. Thanks, Catherine, for the introduction. Welcome to my new listeners, and welcome back if you've listened to other podcasts in our Coding with Anne series. We're very excited to be able to offer these focused coding sessions to provide you with some tips and guidance to ensure that you are able to effectively capture and code your services, resulting in both appropriate and timely reimbursement. Today's podcast is going to focus on coding for contraceptive implant or Nexplanon, including insertions, removals and exchanges, or removal with a reinsertion. Okay, let's jump right in with the scenario. Lisa presents at your clinic seeking birth control as a new patient. She is sure what method of contraception she would like, so she and the medical provider discuss the variety of birth control methods available, their effectiveness, and the potential side effects. After discussing these options, Lisa decides that she would like the implant or Nexplanon. Lisa is sexually active and has administered a urine pregnancy test, which is negative. The clinician is then able to insert the implant during this visit. Let's think about what codes we would need to be appropriately reimbursed for all the services. First, let's deal with the contraceptive options counseling portion of the visit. We want to capture the counseling portion of the visit that is separate and distinct from the insertion procedure. We would code an office or outpatient problem-oriented evaluation and management or E&M visit code from the series 99202 through 99215 based on either the clinician's total time on the date of the encounter that is documented in the chart note or medical decision-making or MDM as we call it involved to determine a plan of care. Using time for E&M code selection is common in the family planning context since many of our visits are spent counseling the patient on family planning and risk reduction and may be lengthy. Remember to include all the clinician's time, including pre and post visit on the day of the encounter, such as reviewing labs and prior visit notes, charting the current visit and ordering contraceptives and medications to ensure you pick the highest optimal code. That's a big change in the updated 2021 E&M guidelines. If Lisa had a well woman visit today or a checkup, we might code a preventive E&M instead using the CPT codes 99381 through 99397, which are based on the patient's age and if they are considered a new versus established patient to the practice. We would typically support the contraceptive counseling or E&M service with the ICD-10 code Z30.09 for general contraceptive options and family planning counseling that is separate and distinct from the insertion of implant. It's also important that the biller adds a modifier 25 to the E&M code to tell the payer this service was separate and distinct from the insertion procedure and that the clinician's documentation supports the medical necessity of billing for both a medical visit and a procedure on the same day. Without the appended modifier, the E&M will often go unpaid, resulting in an unintended revenue loss. Next, in order to get paid for the insertion procedure, 
we need to capture the procedure CPT code 11981, the actual insertion, along with the ICD-10 code Z30.017 encounter for initial prescription or insertion of Nexplanon. So you've walked us through the visit codes, but how is the Nexplanon device itself captured encoding in order to bill for it? It's a great question because those devices are expensive. So we want to make sure that we get paid for them. In order to get paid for the Nexplanon device, which we all know are very expensive to stock, we would also include on the claim the supply PicPix code J7307. If the implant was purchased through the federal outpatient drug discount 340B program, make sure you follow the program and payer guidelines, which may include special modifiers to indicate 340B. Finally, don't forget to include your point of care tests, such as urine pregnancy tests, HIV rapid tests, or urinalysis that are done during the visit on the claim. Typically, you will be reimbursed for the point of care test you provide directly. However, the outside laboratory may bill the payer direct for the lab testing you send to them, such as chlamydia and gonorrhea testing. Generally, you will not need to report these send-out tests on your claim if this is the case, but sometimes you may pay the lab direct for a test, in which case you would want to include them on the billable claim. For today's visit, we would include CPT code 81025 for the urine pregnancy test, along with the ICD code Z32.02 for a negative result. ACOG, or the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, summarized for us when to code and bill for a separate and distinct medical visit from a procedure such as a LARC implant insertion. They include these scenarios. The first being if all contraceptive options are discussed and an implant is inserted, an E&M service may be reported dependent on the documentation. Secondly, if the patient comes into the office and states, I want an implant, followed by a brief discussion of the benefits and risks and the insertion, an E&M service is not reported. The same would be true if this is a scheduled insertion. If the patient comes in for another reason and during the same visit, a procedure is performed, then both the E&M service code and the procedure code may be reported. And how do you code for implant removals? Different than insertions, we would capture the CPT code 11982 for the implant removal, along with ICD-10 code Z30.46, encounter for surveillance of an implantable subdermal contraceptive. This code includes the routine checking, the removal, and the reinsertion of Nexplanon. Let's say Lisa has the implant removed and is interested in becoming pregnant. She's counseled about timing of intercourse to achieve pregnancy and preconception care. In this case, the clinician would then also include the ICD-10 code Z3169 for the procreative counseling and advice. If she starts another contraceptive method after the removal, we would want to document and code for the additional services and the contraception if dispensed along with the removal to ensure appropriate reimbursement. And what if Lisa presents at a visit to have her implant exchanged for a new one? Yes, great question. Unlike IUD coding, which requires two CPT codes for the removal and then one for the reinsertion of the IUD, there is one unique CPT code, 11983, that's used to bill for the exchange of the implant. We would also use ICD-10 code Z30.46, that's that encounter for surveillance of the implant that again covers the routine checking, 
removal, and a reinsertion of the implant. Okay, let's review our takeaways. If there is a well visit or a counseling service that is separate and distinct from the LARP procedure, we would wanna capture both services to ensure we are reimbursed correctly. We would add a modifier 25 to the ENM to tell the payer to reimburse both services. If the patient presents for a scheduled insertion or procedure, it may not be appropriate to bill a separate and distinct ENM service. Remember, you have to clearly document all the services provided. If you are coding for a same-day ENM service using total time, make sure you document and exclude the time for separately reported services such as LARC procedures and in-house testing to not overcount your time. No double dipping, as they say. Each billable service should have distinct diagnosis codes attached. For instance, Z30.09 for the general contraceptive and family planning counseling, as well as the Z30.017 for the insertion of the Nexplanon. Nexplanon devices are expensive to a practice, so it's really important to ensure Every insertion procedure code has a device billed or paid or accounted for. There should be a one-to-one -one match for tracking purposes. Use the HICPICS code J7307 for the next one on. Ensure your charge is set above the highest contractual rate for your private third-party payers to ensure you receive full reimbursement across payers. If the payer denies paying for the device for a solvable reason, Ensure those resolutions of these denials and the root causes of why the denial happened are a top priority to resolve. And finally, make sure you order and capture all the point of care tests that are administered and other services that are done during the visit. These should be billed to the payer and reimbursed. I know it's a lot to remember, but if you focus on documenting all the services provided and why, then the appropriate coding and reimbursement will follow. If you have any questions on reimbursement, Contact your payer directly to discuss and resolve these issues. And thank you so much for joining us today, Anne, and for sharing your time and expertise. For more content, including previous podcast episodes, search for The Family Planning Files or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For a transcript of this podcast, visit our website at www.ctcfp.org. While you are there, you can sign up for other events and continue in education opportunities, including our annual conference, as well as our online newsletter, Clinical Connections. You can also follow the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning on Twitter at NCTCFP, all lowercase, and on LinkedIn. The National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning is funded by the Office of Population Affairs to provide continuing education, training, and technical assistance to Title X grantees, subrecipients, and service sites. This activity is supported by DHHS grant number one, FPTPA 006031-01-00. The contents of this podcast solely represent the views of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of the Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS, Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health, or OASH, or the Office of Population Affairs, or OPA. No official support or endorsement by DHHS, OASH, and or OPA for opinions or products described in this activity is intended or should be inferred. Theme music written by Dan Jones and performed by Dan Jones and the Squids. 
other production support provided by the Collaborative to Advance Health Services at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Nursing and Health Studies. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of the Family Planning Files.